Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 23. Have you ever done something you've come to regret? Hey, we all have, right? Like the saying goes, to err is human. But what happens when you come to regret something you've done to other people? A practice you've done for years. A practice you and everyone else in your industry was trained to do. Well, if you're like Dr. Bill Hang, a classically trained orthodontist, you just may find yourself working to change the dental profession from tooth carpenters to mouth doctors. The goal? To help patients have the best smiles possible, as well as a healthier life. Listen as Dr. Hang talks about, number one, the common practice of extracting teeth and retracting the remaining teeth with braces, and number two, the problems that patients go on to develop. If you're wondering what kind of problems, think things like migraines and back pain. Listen to episode 22 with Dr. Michael Geis for more on that. The bottom line is this. If you've had orthodontic work and spend your days feeling anything less than great, get ready for an eye-opening conversation and insights into what you can do to feel great again. Listen and get answers to these questions. Why does pulling teeth affect the way you look and feel? What critical question should you ask your dentist to get the best treatment for crowded teeth? And how can a dentist who believes in a size 32 tongue help you get better sleep and get rid of wrinkles without plastic surgery? Let's listen in. Thank you so much, Dr. Bill Hang, for uh, being here today with us on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you uh, about uh, you know, a couple of things in particular, but in general, I just really love the work that you do. And I think what you share will be so valuable to our listeners. I'd like to talk about a couple of things. And the first thing I'd really like to talk to is what I see as the, the uh, follow-up to something that I talk about at what, and here's what that is. In, in my book, where I'm really um, trying to help kids uh, and parents really understand the importance of um, you know, airway development, I talk about a concept called a face with O2 space. And in that, I describe how the face really needs to grow forward so exactly. that we develop that space, right? Right. And I, I know that is not novel to you. <laughs> No, no, but I, exactly. I like I like the concept and the way you put it. It sounds great. Congratulations. That's a good. That's good. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, and so that's and of course we know that there are a lot of variables that go into that 
really, you know, growing that face with O2 space. And I talk about that with other people on the, um, on the podcast. So what I would really like to get into with you first is what happens when we don't grow that face with O2 space. And like in my case, and like in many other people cases, we end up going, um, you know, we end up going to the dentist because we have crowded teeth and, uh, the, the answer for many dentists is to pull those teeth and make, make the remaining teeth fit. But that really gets us into some problems. And of course, that is what, what I've, I love how you have beautifully put it. Can you tell us about your concept there of, of somebody who has had teeth pulled and then kind of has the consequences oh, and has to want yeah. to do that? Yeah, I, th I think it's important that you understand I was a traditionally trained orthodontist and, and was taught how to take out teeth and did so in more than half of my cases uh, without really questioning. I'll save you the, the long story, but don't, let's just put it this way. For, for aesthetic and functional reasons, about 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago, actually, I began to question all of that. I began to question everything that I'd been taught. And what I found was really kind of not very good. Uh, and I started to treat patients without removing teeth where I'd taken teeth out before. But more than anything, <clears throat> I had one patient who along in this process insisted that I try to reopen spaces where she'd had teeth taken out. And she had a headache pattern that basically was going on all the time. And I, I'd never seen that it could be done, never seen it in the literature, uh, and never even thought about it. Uh, but based on what I'd been taught, I was pretty sure that it couldn't be done. And, and if you did something, you'd push the teeth off the bone support and it would be a bad deal. Nevertheless, I told her everything negative that I thought might happen and promised her nothing other than I'm an Eagle Scout and I'll promise to do my best. Mm -hmm. And she just kept saying, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I then started the process based on what I thought might work and it did work. I reopened the spaces. Her headache pattern, which she'd had for probably 15 years, uh, went away completely and has remained gone. Now that changed my life. And I soon began reopening spaces for other people, uh, one after the other. I did it in my own mouth where I'd had one tooth taken out as an adolescent. I did that about 30 years ago, widened my own jaw, uh, got my midline back on. This was long before I knew anything about sleep apnea or really breathing it. The, the major thing was TMJ, temporary antibiotic joint problems, and facial aesthetic concerns. And as the years went by, I did more and more of this. With the internet, we put some videos out there and I get patients from literally <clears throat> every continent, countries all over the place that I hardly even heard of. And people who are desperate to have teeth uh, replaced because they, can't, they don't like the way they look, they have functional issues, they can't sleep, they have pain issues, et cetera. Can I ask you to just describe a little bit when you mean they don't like the way they look? So for our listeners, can you just sort of describe what that look is? I know what it's like because yeah. I've had it myself. <laughs> typically, typically, the lips get thin, the cheeks get flat, the face can get longer, uh, everything, the smile is narrower, uh, and it, it's just unattractive. And people have had come up with some very descriptive terms to describe this. They're not happy at all. And, and then the whole controversy about headache patterns and temporomandibular joint problems goes on. And I'm not here to say that 
that these problems go hand in hand with the extraction and the retraction, but so frequently they do. And when we, and not everyone's gonna have the problem. Having said that, when we reopen the spaces and the, and the pain pattern goes away, one is kind of thinking about, well, maybe it had something to do with this. Right. Or specifically, even when you have someone who is diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea because their tongue space has been so reduced and you then reopen the spaces and you have a, a sleep report signed by a physician saying that despite the fact that this person gained 10 pounds from the previous sleep study, the, the patient no longer has sleep apnea and all we did was reopen spaces in one arch. Right. So you begin to believe this. And so you're dealing with aesthetic issues, functional issues, and then into emotional issues too. No, and let me just um, chime in for a sec before we go into that next topic, because somebody may be wondering how uh, the how removing a tooth or several teeth could kind of lead to a right. counterfeit sleep problem. And so, right. you know, we'll just basically say if the tongue is, if the tongue is a certain size, right? And it's supposed to sit in the right. mouth. So if you take teeth out and, and pull, you know, pull the jaw back a little bit or, or right. straighten those teeth, the tongue has nowhere to go, but to sit farther back in the throat, right? Exactly. I, I came up with an analogy years ago that God gives you a size 32 tongue. Everyone has a size 32 tongue appropriate for them. That means 16 teeth on the upper, 16 teeth in the lower. In industrial societies, our faces are all falling back due to what we eat and what we breathe. That's a long story. Yeah. And so most people end up with wisdom teeth that don't come in because they're, they're crowded because everything gets pushed back and they're, they're at the back of the, the they're, they're at the train wreck side because they, they don't have any room. So those are four teeth that are removed. Mm -hmm. The classic patient who is a chronic mouth breather, everything's set back, narrow maxilla goes to the orthodontist and says, oh, you got your daddy's teeth and your mommy's jaw. We, we can't straighten your teeth without taking, taking teeth out. There's simply no other way. Well, there is another way, but most people don't understand that. Right. In my practice, there wasn't another way until, you, until about 40 years ago. Right. So what happens is, you take out four teeth and now what do you have? You have a size 32 tongue sitting in a size 24 space. You have 24 teeth left and you've got a tongue that's big enough and it's not gonna get smaller. It, it, it's got four cranial nerves. So it must be some kind of an important organ in our body and it doesn't get smaller just because we take teeth out and retract. Uh, it's never been shown that that is gonna occur. Well, some people will say in the profession, well, it'll adapt. Well, maybe it does adapt for some people, but what about the millions, and I mean millions, where it doesn't adapt? What are you gonna do about them? Yeah, when, they say, when they say to me, gee, they come to me after 20 years of seeking solutions and they say, you know, as soon as my braces were taken off, my teeth didn't fit together well, my lower jaw wanted to be forward. That's a classic sign. Mm -hmm. Or my tongue has no place to go. I mean, they literally, patients understand this and they come out and say that literally that way. Right, right. Like they, they're aware of it, but they, they don't get a, uh, a receptive ear, I guess. You know what else you mentioned that I, I, I really uh, think is important too, where you said, oh, you have your daddy's teeth and your, your mommy's jaw. We so often look at this as like, hey, that's just you know, a genetic thing that's been passed down. Right. But if we really look into it, we see it's actually habits and lifestyle that really have brought those. I mean, if you look at my kids, you'll see that they look so much like me, but we all had the same problem, you know? And exactly. It's, yeah. it's very easy to, to assign a, a genetic 
component to it. But there's there's really not evidence to show that. And there are there are books in the literature. I won't mention them, but there's plenty of evidence to show that it's in, in essentially it's an environmental issue. Malocclusion didn't exist until the advent of agriculture 10,000 years ago. Yeah, and it yeah, got in right. high gear with the advent of the Industrial Revolution. Right. And I'll say malocclusion for people who aren't familiar with that. It's right. just the teeth not fitting together right. the way that they're intended to, right? Yes. Good. All right. Wow. Well, we've got a really great, uh, a great analogy there on the, you know, the 32 size tongue sitting in the space of a 24 size right. area. I love that. Okay. So then can we go now? Um, the, um, we talked about the, it, well, we didn't say it in name, but your name, your name for that whole syndrome of getting teeth pulled and then getting the the remaining teeth basically retracted right and bringing right. everything in smaller you've seen so much of that that you've actually named it can you tell us the name right it after seeing it time and time again and hearing the same story literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times on patients that i'm reopening spaces for or who, who consider me reopening spaces it became obvious to me that you're dealing with a syndrome and a syndrome is a a group or of, of signs or, and symptoms that seem to, to come together in a common pattern. And so it, it, it really is a syndrome. And, and I named it the Extraction Retraction Regret Syndrome, which is an acronym, E-R-R-S. And I chose that acronym because I think it's highly appropriate. E-R-R-S means errors or a mistake. And I believe that retraction is always, and I mean that, always a mistake to do. Uh, we, how can we justify pulling teeth back when you into the airway and when we haven't had studies to show that it is safe to do so? There's never been a study showing that. So we, I, I defined extraction, retraction, regret syndrome as a constellation of aesthetic, functional, and emotional signs and symptoms brought on by retraction. Uh, and all of that is preventable. I call it a preventable syndrome because the decision to retract is, a, is, a, is something that you, the orthodontist makes that decision. There are many ways to retract that do not even involve extraction, however. I can go into all of that, even wearing elastics from the upper teeth to the lower teeth can retract back. And what you have to understand and what I learned from listening to my patients, and I learned more from my patients than from anyone else, you can retract some minuscule amount and cause somebody to snore. And you can also open the spaces and, re and open a tiny amount of space. And they, someone may come in and say, wait a minute, my spouse says I'm not snoring anymore. And I say, you're kidding me. I barely move your teeth. And am I going to say you're lying? Your spouse is lying. Your spouse is stupid. No, the spouse knows that they're not snoring. So the point is there's a threshold there. And that's what makes me really very strong in saying, how can, if you, if you really understand this, how can you retract it all? If indeed there's this, this, this line somewhere that people are going to have a problem and you don't know where that is. Yeah, I agree. I, and I actually have a recent example of this. I was talking with a colleague who, um, when she heard what, what I speak about said, oh my gosh, you know, I've started having sleep problems lately. And then she went on to say that she had, uh, she was using Invisalign for the past six months. And I said, oh, um, you didn't happen to have any teeth pulled before you, you started using it. And she said, oh, just one. The dentist said one would help make the whole process, you know, work better. The whole, the teeth right. come out much better. And I said, well, I, I'd be willing to bet that that is the reason, you know, like you said, one tooth, it still can make a huge it, difference depending upon 
everybody, you know, your individual anatomy. Do you have a face with O2 space? Learn about this innovative health concept and get time-tested, easy-to-use strategies to help you grow a face with O2 space. You also learn how to determine when you need a professional and which professional you need. You get better sleep when you have a face with O2 space, so go to o2tara.org and get this essential guide today. It seems it seems silly, it seems, but it, it literally is that can be that sensitive. In my lectures uh, for about the last seven or eight years, I came up with a, a sequence of questions. The first question is, do you believe that you could retract enough to cause sleep apnea? I said this to an audience at, at a very major alumni institution, a major teaching institution. There are like 400 people in the room. And then I said, is there one person in the room here who believes that you could not retract enough to cause sleep apnea? Not one person raised their hand. The next question I flipped up on the screen was, how far can you retract uh, safely? And does anybody know? And no one raised their hand. And then I said, well, I don't know either. And then the third, the most obvious question is, if you don't know how far you can safely retract, how can you, and I like these words, ethically and morally retract even minutely? And that's what you're really mentioning. Something as simple as taking out a tooth for Invisalign. Now, what's happening here is every dentist with a pulse on planet Earth, except me, does Invisalign. And I, I knew that this, this would, these are the kind of things that would happen. And what are they, they're doing is they're deathly afraid of advancing teeth forward, pushing the teeth forward. That kept me from straightening my wife's teeth for 11 years of marriage, because I knew I had to take out four teeth for her, but I just couldn't stand to do it. Finally, I did it, and she hasn't had any recession. The fact is, that's old thinking, and there are seven articles in the refereed literature stating that you can advance teeth without causing recession. And I do it all the time, but that is universally ignored because you're taught that without any proof. No one's ever shown you, oh, if you don't take out teeth, you're going to have recession or lose teeth. I've never in my 49-year career seen one tooth loss to recession from advancement like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of nutty when you really get yeah. down to it. And that's the challenge of, of um, trying to um, come up against an established practice. Like you said, there's no no research, no nothing in the literature to say that this is what will happen, but it has just no. become so accepted that people go to it as the default. Wow. Well, thank you for explaining that. I think I, I loved it too, the errors, because it is, it's, it, you know, you have that regret over the extraction of the teeth and the retraction and the resultant problems. And that hopefully the, the person finds somebody like you or another airway aware dentist who says, hey, I, I may have a, a solution for you because otherwise you, you suffer your whole life, you know? So the, the last thing I would like to ask you about is um, something you just mentioned. When you are working with a patient, you're looking at three things really, right? The aesthetic, the functional, and the emotional. So right. can you briefly tell us aesthetic, functional, and then delve in a little bit more into the emotional because that doesn't come up enough in, in okay. my view. We, uh, the aesthetic issue of the face being caved in and the thin lips and flat cheeks and all that, to some degree, we can reverse that. And in some cases, work out better than others. But almost always, we're happy. And I like to joke that I'm going to cheat the uh, 
uh, cheat the plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills from doing facelifts because I'm going to push the teeth back forward and get rid of wrinkles for people who don't like their wrinkles. So making the smile broad and we can go, we've, we've taken a 26 millimeter intermolar width and turned it into a 38 millimeter intermolar width by reopening with our protocol and in, in an attempt to get rid of, and all non-surgically by the way. Uh, so we, we can reverse a lot of these aesthetic issues, no problem. Yeah. The functionally- When you're talking about that, just to, just to clarify, you're saying you are, uh, that the millimeter, the width is making the actual, the, the arch of the teeth much wider, wider. right exactly so forward biggest thing the biggest thing really is the forward movement that's critical you can expand like crazy and that's the mantra when we're dealing when this when the orthodontic profession is talking about sleep apnea the knee-jerk reaction is to expand 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 well that means laterally yeah. in general you can expand until somebody's ears fall off and you're not going to make a big difference in sleep apnea the problem is the anterior posterior plane of space Yes, we want to expand laterally, but the big, the big progress is made in pushing the teeth forward. Right, but in the, in the protocol that I have, we've, we're able to take a 26 millimeter intermolar width and turn it into a 38 millimeter intermolar width without doing any form of surgery. And there are plenty of people who are wanting to do surgical expansion to the maxilla. It's frankly unnecessary so often. You then get into the functional issues, the headache and pain patterns, the headache, neck ache, back ache, and they can all be related. I'm very careful about this to literally never promise resolution of even one symptom. And I say this to patients all the time. When I take on a case deep inside, I've, I've examined this person based on my past experience. I'm like, I know like 99.9% .9 that I'm gonna get rid of their symptom pattern or I wouldn't even start the case. But do you think I'm gonna promise that? Are you kidding? That's ridiculous. There's so many different factors and there's a lawyer on every street corner. We can't take that chance. We have to, hey, take it with what it is. I'm an Eagle Scout, I'm gonna do my best for you. So now we get into the really important part, which is the emotional. And this gets really, really deep and ominous. And suicide is not an uncommon thing that people have talked about. I mean, I've literally had people say to me, if you don't fix this, I am going to commit suicide. Now, that's a very chilling thing for me as a practitioner to really deal with that. I didn't go into dentistry to save lives. I went into dentistry to, to fix teeth. As a 15 year old kid, I decided to become a dentist. I had no idea that I'd be where I am. But literally literally yesterday, I had a woman that we, we just finished treatment for who wrote me a very nice note, gave me a very nice gift and literally thanked me and said, you're the first person you got rid of my 25 year pain pattern and no one else had ever known what to do. You were the only person who knew what to do and I can't thank you enough. And then she starts to cry. You literally saved my life. It's nice to hear that, but the, the interesting thing and for the audience here, I really want them to understand that I'm just, a, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy who is insistent on doing the right thing for people and listening to my patients. And it's so simple. If you don't address the airway and breathing issue, no matter what the symptom pattern is, your chances of success are very low. And unless someone's breathing and sleeping well, the symptom pattern is not going to go away. And that's what's so critical that we have to understand. I agree. You know, what's interesting to me, too, on, on that very point is if you think about um, how far we've come in our understanding and a lot of things like so many people are aware of nutrition now and saying how nutrition can help you change your life. And it can, it, it really can. 
But if you look at the hierarchy of basic needs, nutrition is number four, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Staying hydrated, and that's really important. That's number three. And, and now we know sleep is really number two, right? It never even used to get on there, but we know exactly. number two. And then number one, hands down, is breathing. You have to admit it, right? So if your breathing is not okay, your sleep is going to be disrupted, and you can eat as healthfully as you want to. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened to me. I did have a lot of stuff, and I went through on a really long journey and got so much better. But it wasn't until I found out that I was getting counterfeit sleep and took action on that that right. everything really changed. So, you know, in, in, when, when we are able to help people understand those top two needs, right? Right. And that's when people can really um, you right. know, start to see a difference in their lives. Yeah. I mean, I always put it like this, too. I, we talk about the XYZ formula, right? Because let's say your patient feeling like that for 25 years, having a pain pattern, that's really too long to have to endure anything, right? <laughs> If we can say, hey, if you know, if you have problem X, whatever problem X may be, you know, ask why and make your Z's, your sleep, your primary suspect, because it really is the driver of so many things. And so very often it, we may have, uh, you know, a dental solution as, as you have been able to help people. We have breathing solutions. We have a ton of solutions, but we have to get people to ask the question of, hey, maybe I can do something about this. And then really we can right. great, great changes. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that really great exploration of all of that. I'd like to ask you one last question before we finish up. <laughs> so um, I would like to ask you thinking of everything you know and everything you've done, if you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard to, um, to <clears throat> help people gain awareness and you know on how to really feel better um what would you put and again knowing if it's a billboard it's very small <laughs> you know it's a drive-by it's very quick. Uh, it's, uh, right the, the the first thing i'd say is it, under no circumstances should you allow any kind of retraction at all now that's hard for for most lay people to really understand if they're going to get retraction or not because there's a lot that's done in orthotics which is going to retract and nobody and not even the orthotics doesn't even think about it and, I, and please don't think that I think the orthodontists are, are doing this for a devious reason. They're doing what they were taught to do. Just like me, I used to do it all the time until I began to look at what I, at the faces and everything. Pro probably the most important thing I would say, and this is something that I've come up with within the last few, last year or so, is <clears throat> traditional time for orthodontics being at, you know, adolescence when all the teeth come in is literally the stupidest thing in the world. It's, it is literally rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The face is already so far down and back in most of our kids that the airway is already compromised. The facial aesthetics are compromised. We accept the facial aesthetics as being the norm, just like we're beginning to accept that people weigh two, three, and 400 pounds is like, that's the norm too, but it's not okay. What we really need to focus on, and I mean this sincerely, if we're, because we're dealing here with brain damage for children who are not sleeping well. There's documentation with MRIs showing brain damage. Ron Harper, UCLA neurobiologist, shows brain damage with one night of reduced oxygen saturation. How much brain damage do you want your kid to have before he, he doesn't do well in school? That's the key. 
The point is early recognition is the key and treating in the primary dentition while the baby teeth are still there before even any permanent teeth come in. That's what needs to happen. And we need a completely different profession because we're not gonna call it orthodontics. It's not about straightening teeth. It's about saving lives and recognizing these, these very serious medical issues very early. Mm, I agree. You know, and on that point of, of talking about primary dentition, the baby teeth, right? Exactly. I remember with, with my kids looking at how nicely their little teeth lined up and then only realizing in hindsight that that was the canary in the coal mine, <laughs> you know, that we really want gaps, right? Because if you don't have gaps, exactly the baby teeth, you know that the larger adult teeth are going to be crowded, right? So it's, it's yeah. a huge, I talk about that in my, in my book here too, because it's, it's old stuff that we've never been, you know, it hasn't gotten to, to mainstream by any means. It, absolutely not. And I have to admit, I've been at this for 49 years. And literally, my granddaughter, <clears throat> who lives near you, by the way, when she was a little bitty kid and her teeth came in spaced, it was astonishing to me because I never see that. I hardly ever see that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And then I said to myself, wait a minute, that's what we're supposed to have. But <laughs> Here I'm an orthodontist and I literally never see that. Well, of course I wouldn't because all the people who come to me have scrunched up arches and no space. Yeah. It, it, the, the thing is, I wish I had you know, 30 years ahead of me to practice in this, this profession because now I really understand that you must start in the primary dentition. Now, that would be viewed in our profession right now as absolute sacrilege. Dr. Hang, you're straightening baby teeth. What is that all about? They're going to fall out. You're a charlatan doing that. And then I say, wait a minute, did I say anything about straightening teeth? No, I didn't say anything about straightening teeth. I said something about developing the arches to accommodate the teeth so that we could make the airway big enough and we get the face to grow forward rather than down and back like all of us do. Absolutely right. Instead of looking, the teeth are not the end goal, right? Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you if you see somebody and, and they have they've gotten their braces off, you, you say, well, let's smile. And they smile and their teeth are lined up, right? But when when the mouth is closed, it has that retruded look. And it's like, well, wait a second. The nice looking smile is not the absolute end goal. It, it, it's a nice part of it, but you want the face to look good. You can have absolutely straight teeth and a completely messed up face with horrible sleep apnea and pain patterns, and the teeth will look fine. Yeah. You, you, can all, you, know, you, you can have every combination here. And I don't want the audience to think that, you know, straightening teeth is always going to produce it that is not the case but there are so many things that you must watch out for in this process and the only person that's going to watch out for them is you the the, the consumer and that's the beautiful thing about the internet today when i had a tooth taken out back when i was 11 years of age the orthodontist wore the white coat my mother was there with me and whatever the white coat said we did back in those days there was no internet you, if the white coat talked, you listened and never questioned. And that we, what I'm saying to you is question everything, always. I agree <laughs> with you. I always say that too, you know, advocate for yourself to go in and yeah. if you don't, if you don't, uh, if your message doesn't fall on receptive ears, 
then go find another set of ears, you know, because, yeah. you know, and just like you said, you, you really got on this path by listening to your patients, right? So it is the, the professional who's going to acknowledge you that is really your key yes. ally, you know, and, um, and that's how we change things. Well, thank you so much for joining okay. us here today on the counter. My, my pleasure, Tara. Tell us um, your, your website. Facefocus.com. Good. And I love that name too, because it's like everything we've been talking about. Focus on the face, not and the teeth, right? Not just what's behind. You want the whole, the whole McGilla, as somebody said to me the other day. <laughs> and for those who want to, if there are any professionals listening who want to learn about how to reopen extraction spaces and help people who've had that done and do other things to reverse retraction. I have another website. It's called ERRS.life. And we have a mentorship where I'm trying to train people from around the world to do this kind of thing. Ah, so ERRS.life. Right. Yeah, okay, I will put that in the show notes too. That's great because I'm, my hope is that we will be getting more um, you know, dentists and, and other professionals who are really looking to learn more. So wonderful. Okay. That's great. I will include that. And again, I thank you okay. so much for speaking okay. with us today. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks so much, Chair. Nice to talk to you. Do you have a face with O2 space? Learn about this innovative health concept and get time-tested, easy-to-use strategies to help you grow a face with O2 space. You also learn how to determine when you need a professional and which professional you need. You get better sleep when you have a face with O2 space. So go to o2tara.org and get this essential guide today. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the sleep performance assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep. Com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.